In the fourth century, a young man wrote a letter asking a question we have all wondered. What is the key to a good life? The response that the young man received from his bishop, known as the Life of Moses by Gregory of Nyssa, would go on to be considered one of the greatest works of Western spirituality. Gregory turned to the book of Exodus for his answer. Understanding the story of Israel's slavery in Egypt as a symbolic example of a meaningful spiritual life breaking free from slavery to a culture of materialism. As Egypt enslaved Israel, so Gregory saw spirituality being used and manipulated by the world at large. Over a millennium later, Gregory's diagnosis extends far beyond his time and culture. Many today will take on an appearance of morality, reverence, or belief only when it is convenient, advantageous, or otherwise profitable to do so. Just as Egypt forced Israel into submission, many are intimidated against doing what they believe is right and following what they believe to be true. However, in a study of the life of Moses, one is able to find a universal blueprint for breaking free from the world's cycles and living a life of intent. Moses' birth, his encounter with the burning bush, and Israel's journey through the desert can each be seen to carry a deep, symbolic meaning which can be applied practically to help us live a more meaningful and fulfilling life. My name is Sean. Welcome to Mythos and Logos. As the book of Exodus begins, Israel is enslaved in Egypt. Moses is born as a tyrannical pharaoh attempts to outlaw the birth of male Israelite children and is sent by his mother down the Nile River to escape from Pharaoh's mandate. This can be understood in a reading seeking symbolic rather than historical meaning to represent the birth of a meaningful spiritual life in the midst of a shallow and materialistic world. Egypt, long known for its magnificent structures, was a true cosmopolitan crossroads of the ancient world, and biblically is often associated with materialism, much in the same sense that New York, London, or Tokyo might be today. It is into this world, not so different from ours, that Moses is born. Sent down the river, Moses is taken in by Pharaoh's infertile daughter. Now Gregory of Nyssa understands the infertility of Pharaoh's daughter symbolically, to be saying that for all its magnificent accomplishments, the hollow and materialistic life has no future. This same sentiment, also in an Egyptian scene, is applied by the English poet Piercy Shelley in his sonnet Ozymandias, telling the story of a statue in the Egyptian desert 
to show how all accomplishments fade in time. And on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Representing our desires to birth a meaningful life, what is particularly interesting about Moses' birth is how he comes to be raised. Adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, Moses maintains a connection to his Israelite heritage as he's nursed by his own mother's milk. Returning to our symbolic interpretation, one can understand Moses as an Egyptian to be fully active in the earthly life and education, while still being fed by his Israelite mother, building strong roots in spirituality. And as we will see, it is the ability to approach everyday life with a strong spiritual foundation that will change Moses' life forever. The turning point in the life of Moses comes when he encounters God in a burning bush. As he's tending to his father-in-law's flock, Moses encounters the bush and is amazed because it shines so intensely, yet does not burn up. Moses drops everything to follow the unexpected and mysterious light of divinity which he has found. Interestingly, in many traditional depictions, it is a thorn bush that Moses sees, interesting as thorns only came into the world biblically after the fall in Genesis. And while Gregory links the dual nature of the bush to his Christian faith in Christ's incarnation, anyone can understand Moses' encounter by imagining finding a spark of beauty, goodness, love, or anything else that cannot be easily explained by a strictly materialistic worldview. In the burning bush, Moses sees a similar beauty to that found by one admiring a work of art, or by friends or lovers discovering the miraculous and fascinating depths of their partner. Moses finds this beautiful fountain of goodness and cannot help but follow it, trusting that it will take him to greater places. And as Moses approaches, he learns how to approach this relationship with the source of all goodness. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. To understand Moses removing his sandals symbolically, one ought to turn from the third chapter of Exodus to the third chapter of Genesis. When man and woman are expelled from Eden, they're given leather garments 
made from slain animals to protect themselves from the dangers of the world. These garments of skin are a layer of death to protect against death. A rough, hard exterior coating which hides their all-too-human vulnerability. And yet, in telling him to remove his leather sandals, God instructs Moses to remove his exterior covering, the hard shell which we put up, and to allow himself to be vulnerable. So as Moses makes himself vulnerable to meet God, we can understand, then, that truly following something whether it be a person, a passion, or an ideal, requires removing all of the protective coatings, masks, and shields which we raise. By making himself vulnerable, God in return opens up to Moses with vulnerability, telling him his true name. As God tells Moses his name, saying, I am who I am, the text demonstrates how a true, deep, and vulnerable relationship can have outcomes that are beautiful in their simplicity, something beyond the ability of even the most technical words to describe. And this is true in a spiritual relationship or a relationship with a passion or an ideal, or another. In the end, by following the spark of beauty and opening himself to it, Moses then returns to Egypt, hoping to bring the Israelites into a beautiful, fulfilling, and meaningful spiritual life like his own. Egypt, however, is not inclined to let Israel out of its slavery, even temporarily. Pharaoh proves to be a tyrant of materialism, as when the Israelites ask to retreat away from society for only a day to pray, he responds by forcing them to work even harder on Egypt's monuments. The society over which Pharaoh rules refuses to make a place for anything that does not directly benefit it. And Israel's escape from slavery to seek its own goals proves to be incredibly difficult. Now, the story of Passover holds much deep and beautiful religious symbolism, and Anyone interested in an allegorical reading of it should certainly consult Gregory of Nyssa's writings. But for time and the purposes of this project, we are going to move ahead to the Israelites' time in the desert after crossing the Red Sea. As the sea is parted and Israel makes its way through, the pursuing armies of Pharaoh are consumed by the waters. This too has strong religious connotations and symbolism of baptism, where as one enters the water pursued by enemies, one leaves with only the allies remaining. However, of course, in these faiths, baptism only marks the beginning of a soul's journey, just as this only marks the beginning of Israel's. And the continuing narrative of Exodus shows 
that there are some remnants of the old life that we bring with us. When in the desert, which can be understood in our symbolic reading as the challenges faced in pursuit of a meaningful and spiritual journey, the Israelites often find themselves longing to return to their chains. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat, ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Craving the pleasures of the life they led before and wishing to go back, many of the Israelites seem to prefer a life of comfortable slavery over a meaningful life of difficulty. In response to this struggle, however, God provides the people with sustenance, the mysterious manna, which provides for all that the people need. And with a pillar of smoke, God guides the people through the desert. Yet even with this miraculous sustenance and a constant visible guidance, and having lived through a miracle as dramatic as the parting of the Red Sea, the people still turn back. Culminating when Moses descends from Mount Sinai with the commandments, only to find the people worshipping a golden calf, a symbol of the false glories and materialism which Egypt offered to them. Clearly, the issue here is not that the Israelites don't believe in their mission. They have lived through enough miracles to cure any sense of doubt. But even having witnessed it all, and being carried farther on a journey than they ever could have imagined, human nature still holds them back. And there's still much work to be done. Like the Israelites in the desert, taking the steps toward living a more meaningful life will undoubtedly lead one into uncharted territory. And even after years of experience in our own deserts, it's still in our nature to miss the mark, often drastically idealizing and idolizing the life of the past, and bowing down before the distractions which we think sustain us, but really only keep us in chains. However, the symbolism in the Book of Exodus and Israel's long and challenged journey to the Promised Land is clear, that in taking up the challenge to live a more meaningful life, we are not focused on the destination, but embarking on a journey. When Gregory of Nyssa wrote the life of Moses in response to the young man asking him how to live a good life, he reached the conclusion that the journey to a good life is never-ending. Using the Greek word epektasis, meaning reaching or striving, Gregory believed and communicated that the key to a good life is to be constantly striving toward God. And this advice can be practically applied in our lives to any goal or ideal. 
with the first spark of goodness, understood like the birth of Moses, and encountering the burning bush, striving to follow it, leading to unknown wonders. Just like a long, fulfilling relationship, by reaching or striving in epictasis, one can constantly find more to discover and more to love in any pursuit. Crucially, Gregory's notion of epictasis is not about perfectionism. Gregory was well aware that, like Israel in the desert, we often drastically miss our goals. And yet, as Israel's journey carries on, epictasis is not about being perfect, but about trying to be better. We are human, and failures are to be expected. What matters is that they cannot stop us as long as we get back on the path through that long desert toward that which is beautiful, inspiring, and fulfilling. And just like God as a pillar of smoke in the desert, if we follow truly, our ideals will show us the way. This is why when Gregory was asked how to live a good life, he chose Exodus as his inspiration. Because to him, heaven is not about a destination, but a constant journey, always reaching out, and always finding more. I deeply and truly thank you for listening, for allowing me to share this story. I am thrilled with the wonders of support that I found in this community. If you'd like to support in a material way, we do have Patreon, where donating as little as $1 gives you access to the blog, Mythos and Blogos, as well as higher levels at higher tiers, including question and answer sessions, an exclusive Discord community, and even merchandise. If you're interested, there is a link in the description. However, the best way you can help is by letting me know what you think. Leave a comment, leave a like, share this with someone you think might be interested. These stories have been shared for thousands of years, passed down from one person to another to another. I am honored to take my place in that chain, and I just hope that you'll do the same. Looking forward to seeing you next time, as we look into a story of Norse mythology, in which Thor and Loki travel to Utgard, the outer world. I can't wait to see you then.